boys and girls, mums, dads, adults, I wonder if you have ever made a promise. Hands up in the air if you've ever promised something to someone. Okay, just about everybody. Let me give you some examples. Boys and girls, here is something you might promise to someone. I promise I will tidy my room regularly. When I used to promise that to my parents, I said it with such conviction that even I believed it. Here's another one. Maybe you have a close friend and you pledge to them, I will always be your friend. Some of you are in the Scouts. If you're in the Scouts, this is something that you say. On my honour, I promise that I will do my best to do my duty to God and to the Queen to help other people and to keep the Scout law. And these and other promises you might make. Adults too make promises. I know it's hard for some of you to imagine, but when you get older, you may actually want to get married. And if you do, you will have to make a promise to love one person apart from any other for the rest of your life. You may also, as some adults do, get called to court to be a witness. And if you do, you'll need to promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. All the promises we make, I'm sure we intend to keep. And some of them we do keep. But you know, the sad fact is that some of the promises we make, we break. Isn't that true? We don't keep all of our promises. It may be that, for some reason, we no longer want to keep our promise. Or for some other reason, we just can't keep the promise that we made. And too often it's true, is it not, that our promises are made to be broken. Well, this may be true of us, this morning I want us to ask another question. Is that ever true of God? Does God ever break his promises? You see, God makes many promises to us, and these are recorded and written down for us to read in the Bible. I managed to borrow this from somebody this week. Does anybody know what this is? I'll just open it up for you. And there's a pair of tweezers here. Now, I put one of them on the tweezers so that I didn't uh, fumble about with this. Okay, and you can pick one of these. There's lots of these in here. Anybody know what this is? A promise box, that's right. A box full of little scrolls of paper, and on the inside of each bit of paper is a promise that God has made to us in the Bible. This morning, I want us to, if you like, take a promise out of this box, to unwrap it and examine it, and ask whether God kept his promise. It's a promise concerning Christmas, which is why I've titled this talk this morning, The Christmas Promise. And here is the promise. We had it read to us earlier on from Micah chapter 5, and particularly verse 2. Listen to this very closely. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins 
are from of old. Very simply, God made a promise. Like every promise, it was a promise about the future. We always promise that we will do something. But you know, God's promise, this promise, was a long time coming. It didn't happen straight away. Have you ever been promised something really exciting, but had to wait ages to receive it? Maybe some of you boys and girls have been promised a holiday next summer to Disneyland Paris, and you're jumping up and down with excitement until you realise you need to wait six or seven months till it comes. Well, this promise that God made would be fulfilled in a lot longer time than just seven months. The book that this is a part of is a little book in the Old Testament called Micah. And Micah was written ages ago, about 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And that means there was around about 700 years between when this promise was made and any glimpse of something happening to fulfill it. How do you fancy waiting 700 years for your next holiday? Or why don't we just put back Christmas a couple of hundred years? But you see, God's timing is different from ours. God is ageless and God is patient. And God is also surprising. Because you know, the place at the heart of this promise was not a very important place. It was a little place known as Bethlehem. These days, Bethlehem is pretty famous, isn't it? But Bethlehem is famous pretty much because Jesus was born there. Before Jesus was born, it was a fairly unknown, insignificant little town. I was uh, brought up for the first five years of my life in a little village called Milton of Campsie. Ever heard of Milton of Campsie? Some of you have, some of you haven't. After those five years, I moved to a slightly bigger town called Kirkintillet. Ever heard of Kirkintillet? When I sometimes spoke to people who didn't come from round about Glasgow or Edinburgh, they would look at me with a blank face. They didn't know what I was talking about. I had to tell them that I lived near Glasgow. They'd heard of Glasgow. Well, I think Bethlehem was a little bit like that. Some people would have been getting their maps out, you know, to where it was. And the big city was five miles up the road, a big place, a capital of the nation called Israel. All the big things happened in Jerusalem. Nothing much ever happened in Bethlehem. That was until God made a promise concerning Bethlehem. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out from you shall come a ruler. Boys and girls, listen to this. This is really important. God doesn't prefer popular places or popular people over others. God doesn't choose us to be part of his family on the basis of where we come from or how much money we have or how good looking we are or how many friends we have. In fact, God often picks those who are unknown and unpopular Maybe you feel unimportant at your school, among your peers, among your friends. If so, God is interested in you. God has promises for you. God promised Jesus to a nowhere place 
and a nobody people like those living in Bethlehem. From there, something great would emerge. A leading ruler, one who will be a ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Now, why did Israel need a ruler? Why do you and I, in 2004, this Christmas time, need someone to guide us in our lives? Well, you know, the Bible simply tells us that without God's guidance, we stray. Without God's rule, our lives get messed up, they get ruined. It's what we call sin. Sin is where we ignore God's way and we go our own way. And the problem is, we're not very good at going it alone. We get lost. Children, have you ever got lost in the supermarket? Happened to me lots of times when I was younger. And sometimes when that happens and you panic, you need a helper, an adult helper, to come along and guide you to safety. God promised that he would send a guide, a helper, someone to lead the people back to friendship with God. It's an amazing promise. But my dad used to say that a promise is only a promise when it's delivered. So did God deliver on his promise? Did he keep his word? You know, if you'd been living in the hundreds and hundreds of years after Micah, you might have thought that God had forgotten about his promise. Maybe the promise had slipped his mind. But as we come to Luke chapter 2, our other reading earlier, we find that God didn't forget the promise that he made. Not only did he make a promise, but God kept his promise. You know, when people keep their promises to us, we learn to trust them for the other promises that they make. And God kept his promise, and so we can trust him. The point came when God put his promise into action. We're told it was during the days of Caesar Augustus, a ruler of the time. And around the period when a guy with a funny name called Quirinius was governor. You don't really need to know who these people are. You just need to know that this really did happen at a point in history. And that the moment it happened was the moment of God's choosing. God the Father's moment. I still remember those exciting moments on Christmas Day mornings. Usually after a pretty restless night's sleep, my brother and I would get up very early and sneak through into our mum and dad's room. And we would whisper the question that children all over the land whisper, Is it time yet? Well, I don't know how it worked in your house, but in my house, what dad said went. And so if it was too early, we get ordered back to our beds. And then about a minute and a half later, we tried again. You see, the thing was, we knew that the time was coming soon. We knew that in a few moments, we would go downstairs and unwrap the presents. But it was always at our dad's choosing. So it was that God chose the right time, the perfect time, to send his son. Not a moment too soon, and not a moment too late. When the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman. Of course, 
It could have happened anywhere in the world, couldn't it, this birth? But remember, God had made a promise. He had promised that this significant person would come from an insignificant place, Bethlehem. And so we're amazed, if not surprised, that the place mentioned is one and the same. Joseph also went up to Bethlehem, the town of David. Now, this really was amazing that this happened. See, you have to understand that Mary and Joseph, Jesus' parents, didn't live in Bethlehem. In fact, they stayed 90 miles away. That's a long distance. That's almost the distance between Edinburgh and the borders, Carlisle, in that direction. They lived in Nazareth, up in the north. And Mary was almost full term. She was just ready to give birth. There was no way that they would have made this trip at this stage. That was unless they were forced to. And that's exactly what happens. The government of the time, the Romans, ordered that a head count, all the people would be numbered, and they would return to their home towns. And so Mary and Joseph, I imagine they thought this was a great upheaval. They travelled back to Bethlehem. We know that this was part of God's promise. And yet to them, it may have seemed a really unfortunate circumstance. There's a film coming out shortly starring Jim Carrey. It's based on a series of books and the title of the film is A Series of Unfortunate Events. As the title suggests, it's a story where everything goes wrong. A series of random things happened and it's always for the worst. You know, boys, girls, mums, dads, some people think life is like that. It's just a series of random and often unfortunate things that happen to us. But you know, if we believe the Bible, we don't believe in luck, we believe in God. We believe that God controls everything. And even in this difficult situation, Mary and Joseph may not have known it, God was fulfilling his promise and his plan. Yes, Bethlehem would be the place where the person promised was born. We're simply told that while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and Mary wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. Now that last bit's really strange, isn't it? For a king, I mean. How could a newborn king be placed in an animal's feeding tree? That's what a manger was. Surely God's promise just hadn't come out right. God had promised a ruler. But you see, Jesus is a different kind of king than you might expect. Jesus is a humble king. He's a servant king. He was humble at birth. He was humble as he grew up. Humble as a man. And he was even humble at death. Not long before Easter... Jesus travelled into the big city, just five miles up the road from Bethlehem, Jerusalem. And there were crowds of people lining the streets, ready to give him their praise, their adulation. Now Jesus could have come into the city on a, on a horse, or he could have strode in, in a proud way. But the Bible tells us that he rode in on the back of a donkey. That's humility. A few days later... Jesus was crowned. But he wasn't crowned with a crown of gold. He was crowned with a crown of jaggy thorns. 
That's humility. Not only so, he was later lifted up high from the ground, but not on a throne. He was lifted up to die on a cross. That's humility. And why did he do this? To be our king. To set our lives straight and to lead us back to friendship with God. Jesus on the cross died for us. He paid the price for all the bad things we've done so that you and I can come into friendship with God. We can enjoy that wonderful gift this Christmas. It's the best Christmas present. I'm almost finished. Thanks for staying with me. I said at the start that promises, our promises, are often made to be broken. That's so often true of us, isn't it? But it is never true of God. God's promises are always made to be kept. Even after 700 years, God came through on his promise. Now how should we respond to something as incredible as that? Well, two very simple things. First of all, we should take all of God's promises seriously. This box is full of hundreds of promises that God has made. We've seen that God takes his promises seriously. He really is going to deliver them. So we should listen to his promises and we should respond to them. And probably most importantly of all, we should respond by trusting in God's Son. Here's another promise from the Bible. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's not just a promise, that's a challenge. Do you believe in the God who promised Jesus? If so, you believe in the Jesus that he promised. I urge you this Christmas to not trust other things, but put your faith in God. For he never, never breaks a promise. Let's now sing.